Oh, welcome once again. It is good to see you. So, um, let's pray. Father, I ask that as I share your word this morning that, that you would come and you would open it up to us, Lord. Give us understanding. Help us to see what you're wanting to to wanting us to see in your word. Help us to hear what you're wanting us to hear through your word. Holy Spirit, come. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I want you to think about a time in your life when life was really hard. Um, you know, it's like nothing is going right. You can't seem to catch a break. You know, maybe at one point in life, you know, you were, you know, you were loving life. Things were going well, um, and and you know, it's it, 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 at one time you were just up here. I remember one time when we were in Harmony School. For those of you that remember uh, Fred Sherrill, I asked him one time, you know, how how how's life going for you? How he goes. Well, it's going great in this area, in this area, in this area, in this area. And then he listed off five areas. It's just going great. And it doesn't always happen that way for us, though, does it? You know, things can be going great for a while, and then all of a sudden, it's not. You know, the things that you used to do, which were life-giving, are no longer there or either because you stopped doing them or just no longer possible, and just things just seem it's not going well. And maybe it's been a while since you've heard from God and you're beginning to wonder, God, do you know, hey, it's me, do you know that I'm here? Have you forgotten about me? You feel hidden. You feel unseen. You feel forgotten. And you feel like you're just in this desert place, a desert wasteland. Well, that's where King David was when he wrote Psalm 63. Psalm 63 is a song of lament. A lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And that's where King David was when he wrote this psalm. When he wrote it, he was running for his life. I mean, he'd been at the top. He was, he was the king of Israel. He had slain his giants. He'd been victorious in battle. He enjoyed the acclaim and the love of, that, that, that all came with that. But now, when this psalm was written, he finds himself running for his life and hiding in the desert. And not only that, but I think the worst part about that was that the one that he's running from, the one that's chasing him down and trying to kill him, is his own son, Absalom, his third son. Today, as we continue our series, uh, our Lenten series, Pause, Reflect, and Respond, I want us to look at Psalm 63, and I want to talk about finding God in desert places. How do you find God in those desert places that we all go through times in our lives? You know, some people call them the, the dark night of the soul. You know, where it's just, it, it, it just seems like 
you haven't heard from God and it's been so long and, and nothing is right and you're, you're wondering what's gone on, what's, what's gone wrong. Well, I want to look specifically at four things that David did when he found himself in desert places. And the first thing he was, and this is the first thing we should all do when we come to this place, is he simply cried out to God for everything he was worth. He, he cried out to God. Starting in verse 1 says, O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In other words, that desert place. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. He's crying out to God is like, you know, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in a desert? I mean a literal desert, a real desert. Yes, you have. Anyone else? Yeah, several. What's the best way you could describe it in one word? No live. That's more than one word, Don. Dry, barren, hot. Dry, barren, hot. And for me, that translates miserable. When I was probably about five years old, our family moved from Indianapolis to uh, California. We lived there for just under a year and then moved back. Um, Mom and dad and us five kids all piled into our station wagon. And we drove across country till we got to Southern California. Not only was the trip a long trip, and it was, looking back, it was probably much longer for mom and dad than it was for us kids, if you know what I mean. I'll, I'll never forget how hot the car was driving through the desert. I'll never forget how hot that station wagon got. This was in the early 60s, so it was before cars had air conditioning, at least before ours did. I don't think anybody did then. And we're driving across that hot Arizona desert with the afternoon sun beating down on us with all seven of us packed into the car with no air conditioning, and it was miserable. I remember I went back out to Arizona about 10 years ago for our national conference, and I, uh, I was talking about it, and uh, 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 somebody said, why are you going out there? And this was like actually, um, when was this? This was in, in the fall, I think, um, that we went back out there, that, that we went out there. So it wasn't even the peak hot, you know, the peak heat of the year. It was so hot. It was 115 degrees in the shade. I mean, that's what this was like, only this was in, we probably moved out there, it was, it was like, I, I think it must have been June or July, I think it was July, we moved out there. And the sun beat, now we were miserable. I have memories, I mean, no air conditioning. I have, we, we hung my little brother's clean diapers in the back window, you know, to try to get a little bit of shade, and I hunkered down on the floor of the car. This is before we knew about seat belts and all that. Hunkered down, so don't try this at home. Hunkered down behind the, the, the driver's seat of the car, I remember, you know, trying to get out of the sun. Only the thing is, you know how you keep the diapers hanging in the window? Cloth ones. This is before they came up with those Pampers things. 
you have to roll the window up. You have to roll the window up to, to so it's like not only, yeah, yeah, it gave shade, but there's no wind, air moving. Oh, I get a prayer after the service if anybody's available. Anyway, when you're in that place, in the heat of the desert, in that desert place, the most important thing for survival is water. I mean, I want water. I can remember, I literally have a memory of pulling up in the desert to a water fountain so that we could get something to drink. Um, There's three things I think I remember about that trip, four things maybe, and yet that's one of them because you were just so thirsty. Deserts create a thirst for water, and the longer you go without it, the more desperate you become to find it. The more preoccupied you become with it, it quickly becomes your priority. This is where David was spiritually when he was running from Absalom. Spiritually, he was in a dry and empty place. He was desperate for God. He was desperate for God's presence. And the first thing he did was cry out to God, Oh God, Oh, God, his thirst for the presence of God took precedence over everything else. I mean, he's being chased by a son, Absalom, who's trying to kill him. He longed for God's presence more than anything, so he calls out to him. He goes, oh, God, you are my God. He calls out from a place of relationship with God. And even though he doesn't feel God's presence, He still has faith that God is there. He doesn't see him. He doesn't feel him. He doesn't know where he is, but he knows he's there somewhere. He still, and he still has faith in his God. He declares it. He declares his faith. He says, no matter what my circumstances may be, you are my God. Nothing has changed about that. Nothing will change about that. And then he says, earnestly I seek you. Some translations say early, like first thing in the morning, but, but this, so that early, he, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. There's this sense of desperation. God, you got to hear me. <clears throat> you got to come. David is thirsting. It's making me thirsty. David is thirsting for God. He's hungry to be in its presence once again. It's become the sole focus of his life. That's how desperate he is for the presence of a God. So that's the first thing he does. He cries out to God. When you find yourself in a desert place, that's where to start. That's where to start before you do anything else. God, I need you. God, I know you're there somewhere. God, I'm crying out to you. You are my God. I know that. Second thing, second thing he does is he makes a commitment that says, I'm going to worship God. He makes a commitment to worship God in the midst of the desert place. He does, it doesn't matter that his circumstances haven't changed. He's going to worship God. Now, let's look. He says in verses 3, three says, because your steadfast love is better than life, 
my lips will praise you. Remember, he's still being hunted by Absalom. He's not saying here, God, I'll worship you if you just make Absalom stop pursuing me. Just tell him to stop. Just, just make him stop you know, chasing me. Let me go back to my home. Let me go back to my comfortable life. No, his commitment to worship is not rooted on God changing his circumstances. His commitment to, to worship is rooted in the steadfast love of God. In his steadfast love. That means no matter what's going on around him, no matter what's going on in him, no matter what's going on to him, he's committed to the steadfast love of God. He's committed to worship him, to receiving that love and declaring it in worship. And then he says, so I will bless you as long as I live. I, in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. He says, Lord, I'm going to bless you as long as I live, which if Absalom catches up with me, may not be long. But whatever the circumstances, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to praise you. David was very familiar with praise and worship. He's one that, you know, Bible says he had a heart after God. And I don't think it says that about any other person. But David, had, in spite of his failures, in spite of this, the wrongs he did, he had a heart that was genuine. He had a heart after God. He wrote many of the Psalms. And as you read the Psalms, it doesn't take long before you begin to realize that David didn't just worship God on the good days. He also worshiped God when times were really tough. Times when he didn't feel it. Because he knew God still deserves it. He was committed to it. Here's the thing about commitment. You know, we've all made commitments to one thing or another. But our commitments... <coughs> Our commitments are always tested in the desert places. It's easy to worship God and follow through on our commitments when we're in an easy place. When everything's going well, when we're on the top of the mountain. But when we're in that desert place, that's when our commitments are tested. And that's not just for a commitment to worship. That's for any commitment we make. Think about the parable of the soil. Four types of soil. The seeds broadcast over the soil. Only one of those four types of soil produces crop. Only one. One out of four. The other types failed to produce because when things came along to test them, either distractions or or the heat of the day, or whatever it is, the thorns, the, the, when, when things came along to, um, uh, 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 to test them, that's when their commitment failed. But the one type of seed, or the one type of soil, when the seed was put on it, it produced a crop, multiplied over. It's when we commit to worship God in the middle of the desert places 
It's when we don't feel his presence. It's when we're dry and we're thirsty. You know, those are the times when our worship sounds the sweetest to our Father. Because he knows that we don't feel like doing it. He knows we don't, you know, the, the emotions aren't there, the feelings aren't there. But we're doing it anyway. Because it's not out of what we're feeling. It's not out of the blessings that we're experiencing from God at the moment. It's great to praise God and worship God those times. But it's out of the fact that God, whether I'm going through a rough time or not, you are good. And you're worthy of it. When we worship him in the desert places because he's worth it. So in the desert places, David cried out to God, desperate for a drink of his living water. He committed to worship him. And when David's son was, even when David's son was hunting him down. And then the third thing we see David do is he meditated on God's care. Starting in verse 6. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate you on meditate on you in the watches of the night for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy in other words in the shadow of your wings in other words it, when we're in his care in his care like a, a mother hen you know covers her chicks with its wings to protect and care for chicks in the shadow of your wings i will sing for joy my soul clings to you your right hand upholds me when he's lying awake at night on his bed he's thinking about all the times in his life that god has helped him all the times that god has cared for him and as he does this something happens his faith is strengthened Joy and expectation begin to come in and fill his heart again. You know, it's amazing what happens in us when instead of stirring over the situation and stirring over the, the uh, uh, unfortunate things, the bad things that have happened in our lives, when instead of that we meditate on all the times in the past when God has been good to us, when God has been faithful to us, when God has cared for us, all the times he took care of us when there was nothing we could do ourselves. All of this now, the crying out to God, committing to worship Him, in spite of being in a desert place, and then remembering and meditating on how God has cared for Him in the past. All of this leads up to and enables Him to do the fourth thing that He learned to do when He was in the desert places. And that is, he began to express confidence in his ultimate victory. He began to express confidence in his ultimate victory. And, and starting in verse 9, But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be, made, they shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. In other words, the king... I am going to be successful again. 
I'm going to rejoice in God. I'm going to be victorious. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Like David, every one of us has enemies. But here's what we need to understand. Our enemies, they're not the people that may be crossing your mind right now. They're not the people that maybe betrayed you, that, that hurt you in some way, deeply offended. person that did this or that to you, those aren't our enemies. Paul says in Ephesians 6.12, he says, we are not fighting against flesh and, flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's who the real enemy is. It's not the person in your life that, that is making your life difficult. That's not your enemy. That's your opportunity. That's your opportunity to show love. That's your opportunity to be Christ to that person. And I know that can be really hard at times. But they are not your enemy. Especially if they are a believer. I remember John Wimber. I don't know how many times I've heard him say it. But, but, but over and over he said, he, he, he would say, our brother is never our enemy. Never. Never. The enemy is, the, is the, the, the spiritual power and force behind that person. The one that's making them, causing them to do those things. That's who the real enemy is. That's who we fight in the desert places. And that's who God gives us victory over. I want to ask you, where are you right now? Some of you may be in a desert place right now. We've probably all been through them. We most likely all will go through them in the future. But some of you may be in it right now. I mean, it seemed like the enemy's been chasing you down and just wants to take you out. Are you having trouble hearing from God? in the desert cry out to God cry out to God like there's no tomorrow and keep crying out don't stop until you hear from him but as you do that commit to worshiping him in spite of the dryness in your spirit commit to worshiping him Worship Him from the dry places. That's when it's sweetest. I mean, I can picture, you know, God in heaven with all the angels and, you know, and, and you know, around the throne and the elders around the throne. They're all worshiping Him for a minute. And then, you know, it's glorious sound. They're all, you know, uh, just, just, 
you know, beautiful songs and beautiful sound as they worship him. I can just picture God going, shh, wait a minute. Everybody be quiet for a minute. There's my son or there's my daughter down there. And I hear them crying out to me. I hear them worshiping me in the midst of the desert. And that's the most beautiful sound right there. So cry out to God and commit to worshiping Him in spite of the dryness you may feel in your spirit. And remember and think about how God has cared for you in the past. Times when his, in His faithfulness He's brought you through tough times. He's comforted you when you felt sorrow. He's come alongside and just put His arm on your shoulder. Think about those times and then begin to stand up and begin to stand in confidence that no matter what it may look like right now, or no matter what it may seem like right now, ultimately, you are going to be victorious in Him, with Him, and because of Him. Because He's faithful. I want to invite everybody to stand. <coughs> I just want to pray. If you're in that place right now and you've just not been hearing from God and you're just like you're in a desert and you're, you're wanting to hear his voice, you're wanting to, to feel his presence, I just want to say a quick prayer. And first, I want to read a, a scripture. I invite you, however, you can just focus on this and listen to it. If you want to close your eyes, just close your eyes while I read the scripture. If you want to keep them open, that's fine too, but that's up to you. Isaiah chapter 55. You there, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. <coughs> Father, there are those here who are thirsty. And I mean thirsty to hear your word, to sense your presence, to know that you're not in some distant place far off, but you're right there with him. Father, pour out your living water right now. Pour out your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us in this room as a body of believers, but also, Lord, on the individuals that are here 
that most need your touch. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Like living water, come. Those that are thirsty, Lord, like a sponge with cool, clear water being poured over it, soaking in every drop. Some of you are wondering, where is God in the desert place? And the answer is, he's right there with you. He never left you. <coughs> Just come, Holy Spirit. His presence is here. So open up your spirit and drink. I'll read it again. You there, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You have no money, come buy and eat. It's free. It's free. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, we ask you, when we're sitting in our homes, in our quiet place with you, we ask you to come. <coughs> we ask you to come. Open the floodgates of heaven. And let your Holy Spirit come rushing in. When we're out running errands in the busyness of our lives, let your Holy Spirit just surprise us by falling on us. Lord, interrupt our days. Interrupt our act, our, our tasks. And just turn on the faucet and let your Holy Spirit come as we go throughout our day, as we go throughout our week. We will not stop seeking you until we find you in the desert places, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to say this and be aware, and then we're going to close, but um, be aware. Start to try to be aware of that God's presence is with you wherever you go throughout the day. Because the more we think and are conscious of it, 
the more we will have those experiences. I can remember sitting in a restaurant. It was like with a bunch of other people. And let's see, this time, what I'm thinking, the time I'm remembering was in Cincinnati. In a restaurant with a bunch of people, all of a sudden I just got this sense of the Holy Spirit just falling on me right in the middle of the restaurant. I mean, I, I was just about to eat, and that was it. Now, did I get weird and everything? No. But all of a sudden, I was just aware of his presence falling on him. When you start to expect and look for those experiences, they will start to happen. All right. For the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the awesome, wonderful love of God and the fellowship of His precious Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.